No, no they don't. I, I certainly don't. Stop, stop my audible. Just I'm not case. a... Just in case we say something interesting by accident. Yeah. We just did. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, we were talking about pooping in the bed, pooping and you missed it. We were. It was. You missed, uh, you missed the poop in bed train, Alex. It has left the station, and you were just standing there with your suitcase and your hat, wishing you had got there a few minutes earlier. In the rain. In the rain. With your with your briefcase, it just falls All aboard. Open. Poop on the train to Tennessee. It's Sunday, January 31st, 2016, and you're listening to episode 33 of Roll Up and Die. You know what I noticed? Nobody panics when things go according to plan. Even if the plan is horrifying. If tomorrow I tell the press that, like, a gangbanger will get shot, or a truckload of soldiers will be blowing up, nobody panics. Because it's all part of the plan. But when I say that one little old mare will die, well, then everyone loses their minds. The snow just does have my workshop. I yeah, can imagine. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. We don't, we don't usually have that issue here in New Mexico. No. <laughs> Not yet. Well, you know what? Actually, <laughs> we don't usually, but we got hit with just a huge blizzard uh, yeah. maybe a month ago. I can't remember, but we had like, like, God, like two feet of snow out there. Mm-hmm. It was just insane for, you know, and we get, we it gets pretty cold here. Like deserts. Yeah. I mean, people freeze to death in the desert. Like that's sure. just, yeah. that happens. So, uh. But so we get some some a, a few big snowstorms every year, but this one I think it was the biggest snowstorm I've ever seen in my entire life, yeah. ever. That's crazy, man. Well, just it in the crazy. East Coast, they got that what what two or three feet of snow in some places. Oh yeah, man. and, and we got we got like nothing up here on the first day or something. Yeah, yeah we got we yeah. we got nothing up here. Oh geez, <laughs> the, the, the the snow is is so much lower than it's supposed to be. Like yeah. I, I was I was walking down to the barn and and there's like. Um, you know, usually it, it, by this time of year, it should be at least up to up to my up to my the snow should be up to my waist, or you know, or, or even a little bit higher, you know, with with snow banks and stuff. And yeah. it's like just barely like mid calf. I think it's like ridiculously a uh, small amount of snow that we have right now, which is still a lot, you know, comparatively. Well, depending on where you're from, sure. But yeah. I mean, for us, it's 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 nothing. <laughs> That's interesting. The uh, I've always thought about like running an RPG. And I've always thought, like, if I were a player and the GM started the game without telling us really where we were going to start, but started it by describing, like, the snow, how it was snowing outside, yeah, um, that, for some reason, the snow and that description would just pull me right into the game. I would be fully immersed if Mm. a game started and my character was there and it was snowing. I don't know why that is, but... I, I, for some reason, I was thinking about that today. So, have you ever, have you guys ever started a game in the snow or described snow in any of your sessions? Oh, I, yeah. I've had a few one shots here and there that were in the snow, um, but I can't say that I've ever like had a campaign start in the snow. But plenty of one shots in in cold uh, regions. Yeah, nice. sure. Well, I've had long enough campaigns where where we've gone through seasons, and of course, you know, um, uh, right, right. Actually, the the party that went to the Return to the Doom of Horrors. They uh they they had they had they actually had to go to an an insane asylum in a blizzard to talk oh. to the to talk to the the only survivor from the last. That's right. I remember you. Party. Yeah, yeah, they went there and yeah, and they had to and they had to go in the middle of a blizzard. So. Blizzard. I didn't know that part. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. I don't know. There's just something like about the tactile nature of snow and the sound of it mm-hmm. and just the way it. It, it it just creates a it just takes everything you know and makes it a completely different place, and for yeah. some reason that just would pull me in as a player. Well, mm-hmm. and it it means so many different things to to different people. You know, it, it's a very evocative, you know, weather effect. I feel like, mm-hmm. it, yeah, uh, you know, it, it gets a lot of different uh, reactions out of different people. So yeah, that's a really good point, man. A lot of people hate the snow, and a lot of people love the snow. Yep. Oh, geez, man. We've had better banter days, haven't we? (laughs) (laughs) 
Hey, this it doesn't beat the uh, when we talked about the weather with Nate for twenty minutes that one week you took off, took off Barker. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we got we got so much crap for that. People were like, really, twenty minutes of talking about the weather? Oh man, it's like, dude, it was hot. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> uh, you know why I think we're doing so poorly? Hmm. Is because today, and we're not doing that poorly, but but no. come on, you know. Uh, is because today we're going to be talking about improvisation in your games, and unlike any other Roll Up and Die episode, we've all decided to put down our scripts. That's right. And we are no longer <laughs> reading from our imprompt, impromptus. What are those things called? That are the telep- teleprompters. Yeah, I we each have teleprompters that we have in front of us. You guys have teleprompters. I have a guy holding up cue cards behind my computer. His name is Sven. And yeah. I'm sorry about him not yo, speaking in English. Yo. No, it's okay. I mean, he does his job, but he's kind of just sitting there staring at me right now. He's not sure what to do. So all the cards are blank. I know, Sven. Take that. You can take the night off, buddy. Thank yeah, you I'm just serious. Yodin. Yeah, no, you can go. Go okay, to you thank know you. what? Yeah, go to Jack in the Box. Get yourself a big cheeseburger. Who is Jack? <laughs> I just love how Alex is playing Sven, but you're just, not talking to each other. Like, you're not. Re- <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that, and that's improv, ladies that, and gentlemen. That is improv, ladies and gentlemen. Basically, <laughs> ignoring you. the person next to you and just making up your own shit. <laughs> Welcome to Roll Up and Die. My name is Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And today we are talking about improvisation in role-playing <laughs> games, which is a huge subject and one that, like, there's really very few hard and fast rules about. So, and we haven't even really, like, talked about this subject together. So no. it really is, you know, I, we were joking earlier, it's going to be not only like our other episodes where it's totally off the cuff, but... This one, you know, it's going to be a little bit harder because there's so, no book to reference and stuff it's, like that. It's going to be yeah. sort of an improvception, if you will. Yeah, we'll be improvception. So, we'll improving oh. the show about improv, right? So, for those people who are listening who don't know what improv is in a role playing game, um, I, 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 I don't know. Matt, what's improv? I mean, it's, it's anything that you didn't write down before the session. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's stuff that you haven't planned for. It's stuff that you weren't anticipating. It's stuff that you're creating sort of on the fly uh, in front of the players. And that might be mm. dialogue from an NPC, or it might be an entire location complete with adventure hooks, you know, depending yeah. on, on the kind of game that you run and where your players end up and all of that. And okay. every game has has to have some of it unless oh, yeah. unless it's entirely scripted, which mm-hmm. it, then it's not really a, a role-playing game, is it? Yeah, exactly. Because you you know, part of the your job, well, most of your job as a dungeon master or mm-hmm. game master is reacting to what your players do and say. Yep. And most of that, if not all of it is going to be uh Im- improvisational. Yeah. Right. And you might be you might be moving towards stuff that you have prepped, like okay, this conversation needs to lead them mm-hmm. here or this convers you know, this uh this quest needs to end this way, but there's going to be plenty of improvisation in between those two points. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and I think that, uh, you know, improvisation should be a tool in every GM's toolbox. You know, like Alex, yeah. you just said, like, if you're not using any, then it's not really a role-playing game. And, you know, Matt, you mentioned, you know, your job is to react in, yeah. a, in a lot of ways. So if I were to ask you guys, like, percentage, if I were to say, mm-hmm. okay, so personally, I think about 60 to 70% of my games that I run, and we're going to say campaign games because the one shots mm-hmm. that I've run are have a little bit more prep, but we'll say mm-hmm. 65% of the games that I run in campaigns like Winds of Cersaline, that's improv. So what, what do you guys think? And yeah. I'd say for me, that's probably a, a similar amount. It really yeah. depends, uh, depends on the session because it, ch- it can change week to week. If, uh, Based on based a lot on like we were saying what what the players do, you know, um, if they decide to go someplace you haven't done anything with yet, you're going to be improvising a lot the next session, yeah. or or even in that session, if, you know, as they go off map and and do something you didn't expect. If they're in the middle of um, a uh, say a dungeon crawl, that's you have you have certainly have a lot more control in the dungeon crawl because 
they're limited as to where they can go and what they can do. There's, so there's a lot less improvisation. If they're in a city, then <laughs> you're probably talking closer to 80 uh, percent improvisation, yeah. at least about specifics. I mean, you might have yeah. you might have it all mapped out. You might have characters flushed out, but within that context, you're still improvising. Yeah, yeah. And nine times out of ten, you know, one of the characters is going to say, "Hey, I'm going to go check out this place that you don't have on your map." Right. Yeah. I'm going to look yeah. for an alchemist. Why? God, <laughs> never before have you shown any interest in alchemy. <laughs> Why now? What, yeah, what, what about it, you, Matt? I, I would say it's it's very similar. It's I'd say it's between 60 and, and 65%, and it definitely varies, as Alex said, you know, session to session. Mm. You know, some, some sessions definitely mm. lend themselves more to improv, whereas others are, you know, a lot more sort of, quote-unquote, on the rails. Um, yeah. But I would say, yeah, about 60%, 65% is probably uh, the amount of improv that I do in any given session on average. But I think one of the things that a lot of people either uh, misunderstand or don't think about is that to be really good at, uh, to, uh, to be really well set up for improv takes a lot of preparation. Yes, <laughs> you know? exactly. Yeah. It, it, it's, it sounds counterintuitive when you think about it, but it, it really makes sense. You have, you know, yeah. Um, Having a whole bunch of stuff available to you, tools that you can use on the fly to, uh, you know, pick a name, pick a, uh, a location. I have, you know, folders of, of just locations that I can just pull uh, in a pinch, you know, that I haven't used anywhere else. Like you were saying, Barker, they say, uh, I, I want to I go to a tobacconist. <sighs> okay. Um, <laughs> tobacconists. <laughs> we, can, we, can, we can do that. <laughs> okay. All right. You know, and, and a lot of people that I've spoken to who have difficulty with improv feel like it's just a skill set that they can't yeah. tap. And they feel like it's just something that they'll never be able to do right. because they're just not naturally good at it. But right. Alex, to piggyback on what you said, I've always thought that improvisation is just a different kind of preparation. Yeah. Yeah. And well, like it's, you, it's, you say there's that saying prepare to improvise, you know, like mm-hmm. you have to prep yeah. to be able to improv effectively. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that I found is super useful when you're improvising or when you're prepping to improvise or when you're trying to fine tune your improvisational skills, okay, is just mm-hmm. to read books and go places in real yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. Alex, when you said, you know, God, they want to go to a tobacconist, what the heck? Here's the deal. Have you ever been to a smoke shop? If you've ever been to a, a tobacconist or a smoke shop or hell, even you know, this is kind of off the chain here, but even a bar where people are smoking mm-hmm. in, go there, remember that, and use your memories of actually being in a place like that yeah. to improvise what it would look like. That's improvisation. Yeah. But I mean, you know, improvisation is not creating something out of nothing. It's creating something out of all of the things you already have. Yeah, right. it's it's pulling the appropriate tool out of the toolbox at the right time. It's like... You know, I know how to deal with this because I've dealt with this situation before, or I have experience in this, or I've read about this, or I have a roll table for it, or whatever. It's mm-hmm. yeah. being prepared to, like I was saying earlier, react to whatever the players do or say, whatever they throw at you. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. And I really think reaction is, even when, like in drama, for drama classes, that re, it's improv is all about reaction. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. all about taking what the other person says and building <laughs> off of it. Um, which is, you know, one of the things that I'm doing during this episode is I'm taking notes, which is something that helps with improv. So on this card, I have written a few things down and every, every time we talk about it, I'll say what I wrote down. And first of all, I wrote down different kind of prep because Alex, you just Mm -hmm. hit that subject that I had written down. Like that is the big thing. Yeah. The, the next thing I realized when I was trying to figure out like how to get better at improvising is I realized mm-hmm. that I am not good personally at creating things out of nothing. I, I'm okay at it sometimes, and there, sometimes I'll have a few gems, but most of all, I'm really good at taking what someone else just said or created and mm-hmm. running with it and building yeah. off yeah. of it and expanding upon it. And so feel free to, and I wrote down asking players, feel free to ask your players what do you see? Yeah. What if there's a uh, a cane that someone is holding and there's an animal that's carved into the cane? What kind of animal is it? Just yeah. ask them questions like that because it will help you kind of flesh out the scenery and even the story in a lot of cases. 
Well, and there's that, you know, the classic improv language is, you know, yes and, yes but, no but. You know, they're the the those responses that you say to things that are that are said or proposed if a player says uh you know are there any weapons in the room and you say yes um and they're on the wall opposite you you know there's Mm -hmm. some swords and some pikes or you can say no but uh you know and then give something else it's all about uh accepting different things compromising with the players and Mm -hmm. creating things together to make them a reality within the game world it's like it's as close to actual magic as you can get. Like <laughs> yeah. together, we're going to we're going to use our collective imaginations to make something not real. We're going to make it real for us right now in this moment. So improv is the act of of doing that, which yeah. is really really cool. And that's the other thing that's so important is to be is to give your players a lot of agency in in the creation yeah. of your world and talk about it ahead of time so that they know they have that ability. You know, so that if if they're in a, if they're in a bar and they want to uh, you know start a fight with someone, uh, they don't they don't have to ask is there a bottle on the bar is there a chair nearby they just just go right into it and say they I just I, it, I, yeah. I, I I grab the chair next to me and I slam it over his head or I grab the I grab the bottle on the bar and you know just just run with it and and uh, yeah you know create and and you know it yeah. that because the what makes improvising easier is like like you were saying Barker when you're improvising with someone else because if you're not improvising with someone else you're just Writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And I, I think, okay, so difficult things to improv, though. Like, the, mm. a lot of the things that, that I brought up, some people might see as, well, I don't have any trouble with that. I don't have any trouble describing a room. You know, mm-hmm. that's just because yeah. rooms exist. What I have trouble with is coming up with characters on the fly or mm. coming up with whole locations on the fly. You know, if I yeah. plan everything... To be, you know, uh, you know, I create this whole city to the north, and the players decide to go south. How do I improvise without just taking what I put north and put it on the south? Like, yeah. how do I actually make it up as I go? <clears throat> and that's something I'm not very good at either. So, mm. um, what do you guys think? Well, it depends how big of of an improv it is. I mean, if it's just a shop, then then that's something you can even give to the player and say. You know, I, I'm 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 gonna go find a tobacconist. So you say, okay, well, tell me tell me what you find. What's it called? Who who runs it? And then from that, you can come back to them and improvise the character and and uh, start building off of what they've said. If it's something bigger like a, a, a you know a city or a town, well, then that then that then that gets tougher. And that's where the other you know the other kind of prep comes in handy. You know, having um, you know even small towns sort of ready to go if necessary, you know, or a village or something like a, like you mean like a list or something like that. Well, either have a list so you can, so you can kind of begin to generate it or just have like little pre-made, um, pre-made villages. I've, I've, I've got, you know, some folders of those. They're not completely flushed out, but I have a map. I have key people in it. I have some basics on the, the structure of the place and, and some little, you know, little history notes about it. And then I just keep those aside in case I need them. You know, in in a pinch. Okay, cool. What what about you, Matt? What's the what, like if someone's what, what what about like trying to improvise a story or location as someone's going? Do you ever do something like that, or do you ever catch yourself needing to? Yeah, I I mean that definitely come up before. Um, I, I mean, a good example is a, a recent example is uh, in the Provokers campaign when you guys wanted to go to the tavern in that town, and I hadn't really planned for it. And I didn't want to just say, oh, yeah, there's a tavern and it's, you know, pretty standard as far as taverns go. There's stools, there's mead, there you go. Instead, I, you know, I came up with something on the fly where the tavern was actually built, you know, kind of over the water and was kind of, you know, uh, uh, going kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like tilting with the with mm-hmm. the tide, you know, mm-hmm. so it's kind of this, you know, the sodden dock or whatever, where it was, uh, you know, the sunken dock where it was kind of going back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd say that I, you know, I do, like we were talking about earlier, I draw upon stuff that I've actually experienced. I draw upon stuff from movies, from TV, from books that I've read. You know, if if the players are coming up to a settlement, is it going to be a Shire-like settlement? You know, is it going to be lots of agriculture where the people kind of like to keep to themselves? Or is it going to be kind of like a xenophobic settlement where they're kind of like not wanting people yeah. in there? So it's just, it's asking yourself questions and then answering them 
either through, you know, collaborative role play or just kind of coming up with stuff on the fly, drawing upon those experiences and the stuff that, you know, yeah. you know, there's that, that saying in writing that is write what you know. And mm-hmm. I, I feel the same way about any sort of creative pursuit is like tackle what you know. Don't, yeah. don't get too uh, outside of your comfort zone if you are improvising, like, like do stuff mm-hmm. that, you know, do stuff that you like, uh, do stuff that you think is cool that you're inspired yeah, by, because a it's a lot easier. It, it's a lot easier to build stuff like that out of nothing or out of very little. If you're doing something that you think is cool. Yeah. If you've never been in a bar, it's difficult to have your campaign start in a tavern, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if, but if you've been in a tobacco shop with your father or with your friends, heck start the campaign in a tobacconist because you've yeah. seen it like you know what'll right. be in there yeah exactly i mean or like uh, you know uh, alex knows blacksmithing like yeah. he could he could feel very comfortable like doing something that was really getting into the nitty-gritty of of crafting a weapon or a piece of armor right. or a piece of equipment or something you know whereas i would kind of hand wave it a little bit you know what i mean and it's mm-hmm. just because yeah. i'm not as comfortable with that subject matter yeah, so if you want to be a better game master, you move to Maine in the middle of nowhere and, <laughs> and learn, learn how to all the skills. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Alex what? is currently looking for Padawan learners, so <laughs> head, head up there. Exactly. <laughs> so it, I don't know if his I don't know if his wife will be cool with that, but whatever. Ooh, oh, someone someone else Ex- to bring extra in, hands bring in, around the house, yeah. man. Someone else, <laughs> someone else to bring in wood and shovel. Sure. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Sounds good to me. So a lot of what I what I think is that you know it's we've all had improv uh downfalls like we've all made mistakes we've mm-hmm. all had you know every gm has that oh crap moment and right so the only thing that i think like i have to go on is those moments where i've succeeded or those moments where my mm-hmm. friends have succeeded and matt when you mentioned the sunken dock you know one thing that you did was you took the you knew enough about this town to know what type of biome it was to know right. what the weather was yeah. like, what the environment was like to know yeah. that, you know, what would be a cool way to show off this town and how it's on the water is mm-hmm. if the tavern is on the water. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about what makes sense. Like who's going to go to the tavern at the end of the day, fishermen and right. they're coming off the docks. Right. So the tavern would be really close to the docks. You know, it just, you think about like, okay, what makes sense like logistically, but also like, how can like you're saying, Barker? How can I represent what's already happening here? How yes. can I how can I push that a little bit more and have that be more represented? Yeah, absolutely. And and it's a slum. It's a poor part of the neighborhood. So you, you, yeah. it's not going to be a beautifully standing tavern. So no, it's just you know I'm using the environment. The one of the times yeah. I I felt that I kind of succeeded in this, and and I don't mean to like you know pat myself on the back or you know, and we're not doing that here, but. Basically, you know, that's where you learn improv yeah. is by succeeding and continuing to do it. Um, one of the things in the Winds of Cerceline game I, that I didn't even think of until it occurred to me was that this town called Myra that the characters were going to was a dwarven city-state, but it's politically kind of overpowered by the elves. And so at the last second during the game, I was thinking, how would this look? You know, and so basically the entire description of this hall is dwarven architecture covered in elvish tapestries. Mm. And 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 I feel like that was a moment where I was like, oh, yeah, man, that was really good, Barker. Good job. You should do that again next time. (laughs) Because the exact same thing that Matt did, where I kind of looked at the environment and asked myself, "Okay, what's going on here? And how Mm. do I show that to the players without saying, "Okay, so, by the way, let me tell you a little about the history of this place. And it just made improvisation just a little bit easier because yeah, you looked at the environment. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know, you've already you've already done so much work. So use that work to your advantage advantage. You know, use it to your yeah. benefit in improving. Uh, one thing that also helps too is to have like a little uh, uh, a place where you write down ideas that you come up with. Because yeah. you you might think of an idea uh, in between in between games or just, you know, while you're doing something else. Say, oh, you know, uh, I'd love to have a, uh, uh, oh, I don't know, a, a town crier who uh, um, uh, who has these attributes or something like that. And so you could, you th- you just happen to think of a character. You run into someone out out in the out in the world that would make a good character, 
and you know have a have one place that you sort of jot this stuff down so that you um, even just the act of writing it down is going to help to set it in your memory and then that way right. when when things come up you know you'll have these characters or or ideas to draw from yeah that's the thing writing something down it's I always tell people this, but it's not just because you're writing something down doesn't mean that you need to put that in front of you during the yeah. game. Because like you're saying, Alex, the very act of writing it down is going to put it in an entirely different place in your brain. It's right. putting, you know, it's putting it yes. somewhere closer to the front of your brain so you can you can draw it out a lot easier. And I always have something to write with uh, at all times. And I ha- actually mm-hmm. have a little leather bound notebook that has a eyeball in it. Like it, it looks like a little Necronomicon <laughs> and I carry that with me. It's like pocket size. And I just, yeah. I write down cool stuff that I think of, or, sure. you know, I'll be walking down the street and I'll see a spider web way up high, like strung between street lights. And I'll go, that's mm-hmm. cool. And I'll write that down, you know? And then that might ha- that might come up at some point. Like, you know, the players are, are flying on a, on a Griffin and they fly into a giant spider web that's, you know, strung between <laughs> mountains or something, you know, yeah. it's just like, it's cool stuff that you see, cool stuff that you think of. And going off of that, I, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I've kind of been, uh, restructuring how I do prep lately. And one of the things that I prep for is I have a list of cool stuff. So I have like my, here's <laughs> some locations, here's some NPCs, you know, here's maybe some plot hooks that they might find. And then cool stuff. And cool stuff is like, I don't know when this is going to come up, but if I need something cool, I got it. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm running a Star Wars game and I have a little bullet point that says hacking security droids. I don't know if that's going to come up, but if it does, it'll be cool, man. You know, and I, I just have that. <laughs> and that's something that's something really good. Or, or like, um, you know, I've seen them called, um, what are they called? like incidentals or asides or something like that, like little things, little character moments that you can draw on when things kind of slow down or the pace, uh, uh, you know, slows down a little bit. You can be like, oh, uh, this character from your past shows up or something like that. So it's really easy to do if you just write that kind of stuff down. Hello? Hello? Hello. Hello? Hello? Okay, I got a Matt here. Let's see if there's an Alex. Yep, I hear you. All right, so the last thing you were saying, Matt, was I've seen a... Um, You're talking about cool stuff? Oh. Droids. And then you were talking about I've seen a... a, I've seen a few people uh, call things like this, like incidentals or asides or things like that, and it's Mm -hmm. like just stuff that doesn't necessarily pertain to exactly what you're doing. But it's like cool little character moments that you can throw in, like oh, mm-hmm. like a character from your past shows up, or you see the emblem of the king that killed your family yeah. on this, you know, yeah. or something like that. It's just little things that you can have at your disposal for really any time, any time during yeah. a campaign that you can just pull out. Even just today, I was reading a, one of my favorite graphic novels uh, called The Red Star, my favorite mm-hmm. ever. And in the very beginning, in, in book one, there's a uh, a scene where basically there are these huge airships and they're made of, of metal. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's a futuristic type of setting, uh, alternate reality, Russia with magic. And cool. there's a, yeah. So there's <laughs> the ships have huge holes in the side, which are basically cannons, just broadside cannons. And inside each hole is tied by wrists and, you know, kind of, you know, what is the, is it Veruvian man type of, that, that oh, the, spread out arms. Yeah, yeah. the uh, uh, man, I can't. It's a, I think it's the Vitruvian. Vitruvian, man. yeah, exactly. So yeah, so arms and legs spread out just in in uh, restraints inside mm-hmm. this tube are a, sor- a sorcerer or a sorceress, and they f- use that magic user to fire beams of energy oh, outside cool. of the ships to destroy mm-hmm. other ships. And it's just that the way the art looks, it's just amazing. And I was thinking, 
what a cool way to utilize magic users in my campaign. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's a cool idea. Like, that's a cool thing that's going to go in the cool thing journal and become part of NK. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and I'm just going to jump in there again and piggyback on Matt, what you said at the beginning, mm-hmm. write it down. Don't type yeah. it. Don't text it. Write it down because, and this, my dad always told me this. I was like, oh, I'm typing it dead. No, write it down. Ooh, it's going to, yeah. you're going to remember it. And I was like, yeah. dad, fuck you, man. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh God, he was so right. That's all. He was right. Yeah. Yeah. I got to yeah. write it down. And, and so should you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Get a journal. Yep. Yeah. What? Uh, one of the other useful tools to do for uh, for improv is uh, to sort of have, have strange things that you can drop for your players uh, if you need to buy yourself some time to improv. <laughs> um, uh, it's th- things that you can put in their path that will give them pause and cause them to, you know, spend more time puzzling over something. Oh, you know, because it, saying, it, oh, I got to go to the bathroom for 10 minutes is kind of getting old and the players know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. If, I mean, if you're really stumped and say, all right, well, let's uh, let's take five and, and uh, we'll come back and then you can kind of take a minute to, you know, kind of collect yourself. But right. it's also possible to, to, to drop a, 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 a small mystery in front of them or something that's going to get them wondering. You know, it could be something as, as simple as... You know, a stranger who's kind of who's kind of looking at him in the corner or something like that, or right. um, you know, or it can be as dramatic as a as a dead body, whatever. But the point is, you, you give them something that they now have to discuss between themselves and puzzle over, while you're busy trying to come up with, um, okay, now I need to <laughs> figure out what the hell I'm doing here. Right. Yes. Exactly. So you buy you buy yourself a bit of time. Yeah. Now this is a, a oh go ahead, Matt. Oh, I actually had a question for you guys because oh, I'm sweet. I'm always I'm always curious to hear this is. I, f- I feel like every game master always has something that they always prep. Like, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Even if they're running a really improv-heavy game mm-hmm. where they feel comfortable kind of, you know, just trusting the players and being collaborative. What is something that you always prep? Like, every session. An opening mm-hmm. cinematic scene. Okay. That's yeah. uh, usually part narrative, part characters. Uh, I love game introductions mm-hmm. um i love reading it like you're watching you know previously on battlestar galactica i like yeah. right showing things that are happening <laughs> i like creating that movie slash television show feel uh mm-hmm. and i always prep that uh pretty hard right okay cool yeah and that's pretty safe to prep too because it's at the very beginning of your session so yeah uh yeah. there's there's less chance that, that it's going to be derailed immediately so yeah. you have a bit of time to put that yeah. in. Uh, I guess for me, it, it's uh, I like to have uh, maps. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big yeah. fan of maps. I'm, I'm a visual person. And so um, having things sort of uh, mapped out, and it, and it need, needn't be a physical map like uh, the, the layout of a place. It could be a, um, a character map or a story map. Um, oh, that like, help, a, that, like a web type of thing? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Uh, usually it's just, you know, just roughly doodled out on a piece of paper, but it, it helps, it helps me to, to, to draw, to see the, to see visually the connections between what's, you know, in what's going on. Right. And, uh, and that can help me see things to, you know, if I need to improvise something in the story, um, uh, or adapt to something that the, uh, the characters have done. I, I, I think I shared the one before a long time ago about, uh, I had the characters were going into a town and they had, they had, someone had attacked them on the road and they, they had to kill them. And so they had the body on the back of this horse and they realized as they're going into town, it's, you know, the, this, this is going to be something that's not, we're not going to, you know, this is going to be, we're going to have to explain this. And right. one, one of, one of the players, uh, player characters took it upon themselves to, you know, they had, they had the body wrapped, you know, in like a, a, a cloak on the back of a horse, all tied, all trussed up. And they were crossing the river to get to the, the town which is like on a barge and he just like dumps it off into the river <laughs> and 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 that just changed the entire game because at that point because they just dumped a body in the river yes <laughs> so, right. so uh, at, at that point i'm 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 trying to think ah so what's now how is this going to affect things you know the this body's while they're here the body's going to wash up someone's going to find it you know this is going to be a big deal suddenly and so right. yeah. what was what was what started as just a town they were just going to pass through you know, on, on the way to somewhere. Mm-hmm. Now, now it's become its own adventure. 
And that's a great way to just of of reacting to what the players do and thinking, well, they just changed everything yeah. and responding. Yeah, and so yeah, previous, previous, previously minor NPCs that I had, you know, made little scratchings about, suddenly became pivotal in this in this you know new story that the uh, uh, the players had handed me. There's That's a, awesome. Now there's a question uh, on the Facebook page, facebook.com/slash/rollupanddie, and we're going to take a question later. But this one is not going to be that question because it doesn't have the most likes. But I feel like it's kind <laughs> of important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just kind of scanning through for things that we might sure. want to talk about anyway. And uh, this is from Ben B. There are so many Ben B's. This one's a different one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what are some things that should not be improvised? At what point is improv- improvisation mm. just being underprepared? Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> is, there, is, there, is the answer nothing? I mean, I feel like I, if, you're, if the players it... aren't having fun... That's your tell. Yeah. Like if you're I just, think it yeah. I think it varies. I think it depends on I think it depends on the on the game master, it depends on the yeah. players, it depends on the game. Um, I think <clears throat> anytime that you feel Yeah, I think it just comes down to enjoyment. If if it ever gets to the point where you or the players aren't yeah. having fun, then maybe it's something you should have prepped more for, yeah, you know? Yeah. I, th- I think I have one thing. I think, I think it's, it would be, it's wrong to <clears throat> improvise if you're using that improvisation to maintain the integrity of your story. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, uh, yeah. like, well, like you, you were saying, Barker, if, if, if you, you have this town to the north, they decide to go south. Now, you could, you could improvise in a way by just taking that town, moving it down there. They hadn't been there, so you could just pop, move it around. So no matter which direction they go in, they're going to hit that town. No one would know, but you. You would know. You would know. <laughs> How can you sleep That's at right. night? That's right. How can you sleep with yourself? Um, well, <laughs> you know, you know. That's <laughs> super cut, Barker. <laughs> Is it this kind of podcast? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Continue, Alex. Yeah, you could put it south if you want. It, well, right, and that, and that and that's that. You know, the it, it's the you know I think it was the quantum dungeon. You know, no matter which way you go, the 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 GM is yeah. gonna put stuff put the, the stuff they want in your path in your path. Right, right. That's technically improvisation, but it what you but you, the reason you're doing it is wrong. The, you're you're doing yeah. it to fulfill your story that for you. It's it's it you know, but without any really thought of you know play uh the the player's agency and and what they get to do and and it, it I, I don't i don't like to i don't like to run a game like that um, yeah i, I mean I, would agree. I, I have moved things around occasionally but it was rarely uh i shouldn't say rarely it was never to forward a uh, a story agenda it was all, right. it always had to do with <clears throat> Well, uh, thinking about it, it actually makes more sense that this is here or, you know, yeah. something like that. But it wasn't a, you know, they're going to see this town or else, you know. And yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, th- so I think another good example is like if the players, if the players try to, like a good example is like, oh, they're going into uh, the woods controlled by wood elves and mm-hmm. they take every precaution to like sneakily go through the woods like they go really slow they make sure that they have like camouflage and cover they never light a fire while they're sleeping Mm -hmm. and you still have them get captured by uh elves because that's what you want to have happen and you just kind of make that you force it to happen yeah yeah and i think that's when improv becomes a problem and a crutch is if you're ever forcing something to happen through improv even if the players are clearly not going towards that that yeah. thing, you know, improvising yeah. in order to get the players back on the tracks. Yeah, like. right. yeah, yeah. Imp- improvising to get them back on the railroad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now, and I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up. Is you know, imagine a spectrum. On one side of the spectrum is railroading, which I feel mm-hmm. like has there's a very negative connotation to it, and I think that's mm-hmm. unfair in a lot of ways because it has yeah. its place. Yeah. Uh, and then on the other side is improvisation, which or people sandbox f- yeah. or sandbox, which people mm-hmm. look at and say, "Oh, that's the only way to run games. <laughs> yeah. Everything should yeah. be that." And I'm like, "Well, you know, not necessarily. You know, it's a good mixture of both." Uh, yeah. But I think you know a, a place to not improvise would be just improvising for improvisation's sake. Yeah. If the game is too chaotic, then mm. it yeah. can become unfun. Uh, yeah. Railroading for railroading's sake uh, is like. Don't ever sacrifice 
story at the altar of fun and don't ever sacrifice fun at the altar of story. If you can find that balance, then you're improvising right. Yeah, Yeah. I I mean, an ideal campaign is kind of smack dab in the middle of a railroad and a sandbox, you know, where Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. plenty of player agency, there's not a set direction, but there are arcs, there are things happening that are bigger than the player characters. It's like if I don't, I don't think anyone who says like, "Oh no, sandbox is the best." I don't think anyone has ever uh, that says that has ever played a true sandbox where it's yeah. like, "Let's go in this cave." All right, and then commence three sessions of them going through an empty cave, like yeah, just exactly. nothing in it. It's like you know, you have right, to right. you have to put things in the player's path. You have to you know give them some direction. You have to give them things to do but you don't have to control them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I feel like a good game is somewhere in the middle in between the railroad and the sandbox airing on either side, depending on your style and the kind of game that your players want to play in. Super yeah. good advice. I was going to say, I think, yeah, the, the, there are things in your world that should be on the tracks, but the play, but the player characters shouldn't be on it. They, they, they shouldn't be one of them, you know? Yeah. Keep, yeah. You, you, you can keep, you know, uh, you know, major NPCs doing what they're doing on the tracks. You can keep uh, world events happening on the tracks, and those are fine to to, to stay there. But yeah, you know, the minute you try, the minute you try to force the, the the player characters on them, yeah, that's I think that's when things go badly. Yeah, like the game master controls every single aspect of a game world. The players should not be one of those things. Like you exactly. don't need to control everything there needs to be an element of yeah. chaos to it yeah you got to give you know that's all all they brought to the table is their character sheet so don't take that yeah, from them too exactly yeah. <laughs> don't take it from me <laughs> and i one of the things that i was thinking about the other day was zooming starting very zoomed out and then starting to slowly focus in mm-hmm. uh, starting a campaign very sandboxy and improvised and then kind of you know you know oh, very open world this is kind of you know in improv slash sandbox topic now, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, very open world. And then finally you're introducing some plot lines to your, to your players. And then you begin to get this gauge of what the players want to focus on, what they think is important yeah. and where they're going. And then it's your job to kind of zoom in on that and make that the campaign. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. a campaign like that, you're setting up a buffet. You got the yeah. shrimp out there, you know. Mm-hmm. You got some hors d'oeuvres. You got some salad. You got the little veggie but platter. But bitch, I'm and you're vegan. Sitting there, and then you're, and you're mm. sitting there. <laughs> the you're lentils. sitting there. You're the host of this party. Players show up, and the players start honing mm. in on that shrimp. And you're like, oh, they like the shrimp. I'm gonna have to make more shrimp next time. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. just you put stuff in front of them, and whatever breadcrumb trail they yeah. they end up, you know, going down. You're like, cool. That's what they want to do. I'm gonna. Right. That's gonna be the the story right now. Right. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things, you know, that, you know, that I think Alex brought it up before it, it, we near the beginning of this episode is that, you know, your players are improvising the entire time. They're, yeah. imp- you know, that's what role playing is. They're improvising right. based yeah. on the information you give them. So you should do the same. Improvise yeah. based on the information sure. that your players give you, too. You want some Absolutely. shrimp, baby? Give me some cocktail sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Our, our metaphors are just dumb. Well, they're just, they don't make sense. I'm just they 100% just talking. And I'm like mixing I, my metaphors. I'm talking about shrimp. And then on the next sentence, I'm talking about breadcrumbs. It's just, it doesn't, it makes yeah. no sense. We're all over the place. No, I'm, yeah, I am are. quite literally just speaking words when I'm talking about metaphors. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I make sounds, I make, I make sounds coming out of my mouth. <laughs> I make sounds I've seen other primates make and I'm trying, <laughs> yeah. to, blend, I'm trying to blend in. And I run, I am, I am on a podcast, so we're still doing it. People are still listening. <laughs> We're making it work, man. <laughs> um, uh, another another source of good tools that uh, we have in this uh, in this modern age, since we are actually living in the future now, is uh, <laughs> you, there's a lot of great stuff online. I know we've mentioned uh, Don John before a whole bunch of times, and that's yeah. a, that is a fantastic. I, I I almost always have that you know loaded up on my on my computer when I'm running a game because. Um, it can be used to generate names. You can, you can come up with a, shoe sizes. A, Jesus. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. A tavern, random, uh, just all sorts of random generators. Which it, you know, and, and there's a few other sites that I also tend to have up that have similar things. And so, um, uh, whether you're running an online game or even in you know in person, you know, with a laptop, you can have that stuff sort of set up and ready to go. So even if you don't have folders and folders of stuff, or you don't have the space for it. You just you know you're new to the game and just haven't had you know 
decades of, <laughs> of yes. gaming to yeah. build build those up, you can still have access to those kind of resources and just, you know, just go 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 with it. You know, there's, yeah, there's, there's, there's plenty of stuff available. Well, I was going to ask you, Alex, you, mm-hmm. you said you're a big map guy. You like maps. Yeah, and, I do. And, you know, it's really easy to find a fantasy map out there. You, I mean, I have a Pinterest and I mm-hmm. have signed, I have subscribed, what do you call it, when you sign up for a, a pin or whatever. Anyway, mm-hmm. to fantasy maps. And mm-hmm. I just get tons of them and I love them. Yeah. One thing that I find so difficult to get are blueprints or, like, actual blueprints of castles in medieval times yeah or modern day things mm-hmm. i find that those are very difficult to get do you have like what are, what is your resource for maps because that's something i can do better as well <laughs> well a lot of stuff i draw myself i i i draw my own course, maps for a lot of things make your own armor you make your own food <laughs> you make your own but, food <laughs> but not, not, yeah. I don't do that. I don't. <laughs> I may. I have a replicator. My, 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 ser- my, my, my servants bring those in. Oh, great! Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I I use Google a lot, really. Like if if I'm if I'm running a, uh, uh, a lot of times. If, well, if, like say I was putting together a uh, Call of Cthulhu one shot. What I would what I would probably do first is I would I would go on to Google, and I would start looking for maps first, like based on. Um, you know the, the the basic general thing, like okay, I want to have a Call of Cthulhu adventure on a ship, so I'll start looking for deck plans of, of ships from the nineteen twenties or thirties or whatever it's taking place, and then I'll see what's available. And then once I have that, I'll build a story around it because it's a lot easier than building yeah. a story and then trying to go find a map to fit that. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. I, I've started I've started a lot of adventure ideas and 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 things starting with the map. And then that's a really good idea. Yeah. What what can what can I build off of this? Yeah, that's like I I, I have a tendency to uh, construct my home games around miniatures I want to use. Like I go through I go <laughs> yeah. through my miniature collection. Yeah. And I'm like I haven't used this yellow ooze miniature. I'm gonna do something with this yellow <laughs> ooze, you know. And then I have a whole adventure off of it, you know. And <laughs> this reminds me uh, with our work with AbsoluteTabletop.com. Matt is we have a partnership with a great group of people called Heroic Maps. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, Matt has a tendency to be very, very specific about his maps for his <laughs> world of Aranoth. Mm-hmm. And so, in you know the Wayward Wanderer supplement or the Brook supplement, we would look through heroic maps and see their stuff and be like, and Matt would just look at me and be like, not nothing really fits. And I'm like, son of a bitch. So I'm opening <laughs> campaign cartographer because I know I'm gonna have to make a map. <laughs> But <laughs> I know, and you guys are always like, "Could you just before you decide what everything looks like? Could you just look at the hundreds of maps of yeah, all right. these different locations, all these different varieties of things? Could you just look at them? Could you for stop a second? building your world for one yeah. damn second? Yeah, and let this influence. Yeah, no, it's so much easier to go with to start with something, yeah, and then yeah. you know, go from there. But, Absolutely. Yeah. But that's a super super good idea, Alex. Uh, and I feel like I've heard that advice before. Maybe I should write it down so I remember Maybe it this time. Maybe you should, Barker. Maybe <laughs> I think you I'm should. I'm going to. Uh, can I take another question before we actually do the question? Sure. sure. It's just it's, like there are so many great questions. It's our podcast. Yeah, there were we a lot of good ones this week. Oh, my sure. God. We could do whatever we want, Alex. You're right. <laughs> I know. I think we should talk about sports. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. That's thank nope. you, Matt, with sports. <laughs> nope. <laughs> You're welcome. That's how much I know. That's, okay. Um, basically, okay. How would you go about improvising a random biome? Okay, so this person, Ollie S, hmm. is planning a sci-fi game where players have to load. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what? Nope. Have to go to a load of different planets, and I'd like them to feel more otherworldly than just. Forest planet, desert planet, snow planet, <laughs> or planet with floating city that's used as a mining operation for rare Tabana gas. Uh-huh. Yeah, I wonder where he got that from. I'm not sure. Um, so, <clears throat> what's the? Uh, hmm. You know, I, I okay. So we had a, a great topic a while back about aliens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And alien worlds. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're creating a different biome that doesn't exist and you want to keep with that kind of Star Wars feel where everything is the same, 
mm-hmm. or even if you don't, just don't limit your creativity at all. Yeah. yeah. Like everything's fair game. You could have flowers <laughs> on the trees that when they bloom, they turn into birds and fly away. Like, and spread their pollen. Like, I mean, just go crazy because yeah, if yeah. you limit yourself to real world biomes, then you're doing the opposite of what you want to do. Right. I think what you want to start with is uh, is is you want you want to you want to first decide what what the world is 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 like in in uh, in, in sort of the big picture. Like, is is it is it you know is it higher gravity than than Earth? Is it lower gravity? Is it um, is it closer to the sun, further away? You know, kind of decide the the big stuff first. Does it have rings? Does it have moons? And then once you once you sort of start with that, then you think about how all that is going to affect you know affect the biome. You know, for example, if it's higher gravity, you you, you could end up with a lot of lower, denser material, you know, plants and animals and so forth than uh, uh, a really low gravity planet where you have tall, slender things and right. um, you know that that sort of thing. And don't um, you, you really that's really when you really need to think outside the box and if you, i i can't imagine trying to improvise an entire biome though yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's hard well, because i, think that's I mean you, you cool. gotta you gotta have something to start with you know yeah I feel like that's the cool <clears throat> stuff journal like when you yeah. think of a cool biome yeah. you write it down in your cool stuff journal yeah and right. then when it's time for your characters to you know punch it to hyperspace and go to a different planet you'll look at your journal like you you do that prep before so you can roll a die and kind of improvise on the fly as to what that's like yeah right well yeah. I, I would i would advise if you're going to be running a sci-fi um game of any kind uh learn about sci <laughs> you know learn, yeah. learn 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 about the science of right. of exoplanets i mean Not we're learning star we're, wars i would i mean i I'd, <laughs> I'd, i don't make science just stop because it's star wars that's all oh, i mean okay. you know <laughs> <laughs> George Lucas did. Well, okay, fair, <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm it's no when George he tried Lucas. to put it back in. That's when it got crappy, actually. <laughs> but no, well, that that part of it, yes. I'm, but I'm talking about you know just strictly limiting yeah. to exoplanets. But no, I mean learn learn about um, learn about exoplanets. We're learning more, especially now. We're finding exoplanets everywhere. We even found the ninth planet in our own solar system. So. Yeah. Uh, go figure. You know, it's like we're, um, you know, we're always learning more. And so, you know, learn as much as you can about uh, what type of planets there could be, um, you know, what could be on them. And, of course, you know, we're really obviously very big at looking for, um, you know, Earth-like planets now. But, and uh, But there's just so many different ways you can achieve that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. For sure. Um, so do you guys want to take a question from the audience? I think so. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? We'll we haven't take, done that yet. We'll take the question with the actual most likes. <laughs> uh, uh, this is at facebook.com slash roll up and die. Uh, not to be confused with fruit roll ups. We are completely <laughs> separate. <laughs> roll up.org. <laughs> and uh, uh, basically, uh, every Monday, we will do a recording. Actually, today it's a Wednesday. And mm-hmm. we'll post our topic, and you can ask a question. And the one with the most mm-hmm. likes uh, gets. Uh, we'll answer your question. Also, Daniel Johnson said, so I'm a dum-dum. I live in Japan, but just saw this in my feed. I got super excited and typed my question, posted it, and then realized the show was over already. I never oh, get no. to see these questions, damn it. And I'm like, no, it's not. We hadn't recorded you, yet. You lucked, we <laughs> lucked out. We hadn't recorded yet. Yeah, we, we always post questions on Monday, but we don't always record on Monday. So we, we try to. Record. We, we try, try to. to, but we sometimes to. sometimes we record on Tuesday or Wednesday or yeah, Thursday yeah. or Sunday right before it goes up. So. <laughs> so the question that we have that actually has the most likes is, hey, Matt. <laughs> so hey! apparently we see that where this is directed. Uh-huh. Thanks, Craig M., Basically, every NPC or every NPC PC interaction that I role play is improv, which means that all the NPCs basically sound the same. I think we've all been there. Mm. Not just in terms of accent, in choice of words, in tone, in mood, etc. How can I prepare my NPCs out of game so that when I come to improv conversations that they have with the PCs in live play, they sound organic and real and different to one another? Mm. It's actually a really good point, actually, by the way. Prepare yeah. the NPC beforehand so you can improv the conversation. That's a really good yeah. idea. Yeah. 
Um, Good call, Craig. Well, for me, it's like making NPCs sound different is don't mm-hmm. always think about an accent that you can do, but just think mm-hmm. about the way that they talk, the words that they use. You know, do they talk quicker than you do? Do they talk slower? Um, do they take deep breaths in between, you know, the things that they say? Uh, do their words have weight to them or are they a little bit more flighty? You know, mm-hmm. you don't always yeah. have to put on a crazy accent to make an NPC sound different. <laughs> um, it can also be body language, the way that you're looking at the players, the way that you hold yourself. You know, if you're a character that's really shy, you might slouch in your chair a little bit. If you're a character that's really strong and military-minded, you might sit up in your chair or stand up even and cross your arms across your chest, you know? Mm. There's lots of different ways to indicate, like, hey, I'm this NPC, and there's no way to get confused about who I am right now, you know? Yeah, so, you use, definitely use your body, even even yeah. if they can't see you. You know, uh, like yeah. you're doing it online, just you know, still use your body because that's gonna yeah. that's gonna help you get into into the part. Exactly. Yeah. And I find that you know, if you can do that, if you can mm-hmm. get into it like that, normally your your voice and your way of speaking will kind of naturally follow suit. Hmm. Also, uh, don't. Okay. Oh, no, you go ahead. Well, I was gonna, I was going to advise to to uh, practice uh, practice a lot. And uh, just play around yeah. with voices, uh, uh, especially in your car if you if you if you drive yeah. if you drive a lot, just talk to yourself. You know, make up voices. Uh, you know, yeah, put a Bluetooth and, and just, in your ear and just pretend that you're talking to somebody so people don't think you're crazy. <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry. This bakery is closed. We don't serve uh, we don't serve rolls on Thursday. You know, just <laughs> oh, that guy's <laughs> not crazy. He's just on a Bluetooth. <laughs> <laughs> also, he might be crazy, he could, or he could he be crazy. Could, you know, they're not mutually exclusive. So, yeah. Well, when no, I was I when I was a kid, they were all crazy. All the time. <laughs> when I was a, when I was a kid, they were all crazy because we didn't have that that fancy tech stuff. That crazy, crazy tech. <laughs> <laughs> now it's so hard to tell. But yeah, no, just just practice random voices, and then think about you know, even if you don't have an idea of what you're going to use them for, you'll you'll sort of build this sort of. Uh, uh, memory of them that you can just tap into and then you say oh that would be a great voice for this guy or that would be a great voice for this guy right and uh even give them even give them you know uh some kind of um uh identification in in your own mind so that you can even like jot it down next to the npc that you just came up with because you need to make sure you get the same voice next time (laughs) so yeah okay it's that voice i I don't want to i don't want to mess those up well, I'd say don't underestimate the power of an accent because I, I know yeah. that it's like, you know, not just in terms of accent, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, accents convey a lot of personality. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. whenever we're just acting like, you know, jerks, we always talk like this, you know. Right. But <laughs> I have a character in my Winds of Cerceline game that's a hunter, so I talk like this. He's got kind of mm-hmm. a southern little Texas accent. And... <laughs> he, it's very catchy. People know yeah. it. You know, these aren't. We're not just doing you know different types of uh, accents from the British Isles or Ireland or anything. Yeah. You know, it's just you know think about the accents that you know and think about what they convey yeah, uh, in right. terms of personality. Are they harsh? Are they soft? Are they fluid? Are they? Is this person gonna be polite or a jerk or stupid or smart based mm-hmm. on their accent? Play with those stereotypes because I mean yeah. that's what I do, and it's it's honestly I think it's worked for me so far. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Also, no, lis- also true. listening to people in the wild can help too. Yeah, uh, like you like you were saying, Barton, <laughs> to observe a lot of places, you know, observe places, but also listen to people. In the you wild know, you, Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> you you can run into a lot of crazy people out there, and uh, yeah, uh, you can just you can just use all of that. Yeah, absolutely. The, the more the more of a caricature they are, the better. So this is what we're going to do for our idea you can steal. Unless you guys already have an idea, but this one's really good. Go for it. Okay. Are you sure? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Are you sure? We're improvising. Go for it. All right, cool. All right, sweet. No scripts. Scripts are down. Sven is off work. Sven went home early. Uh, so what we're going to do is this. One of us is going to pick a word for the second person, mm-hmm. and that person is going to build something out of that one word and kind of describe how they built that thing, whether it's a town or an NPC or a magic item or a conversation or something. Okay. Okay. So as a, an example, I don't have my dice in front of me, but we can have like Alex, mm-hmm. you pick a word for me and I'll, I'll run with it. Okay. Um, I'm going to say um, moon. 
Okay, great. So this is going to be a town, and it's going to be uh, overrun by rumors of lycanthropes. So, you know, fantasy mm-hmm. settings are just uh, huge in terms of moons. Moons are just so mm-hmm. easy because you'd be like, ooh, lycanthrope, boom. And the bartender of this fantasy setting, it's called uh, the, uh, we'll call it the Tides Tavern. Because, mm-hmm. you know, moon, yeah. tides. Uh, and, you know, the, the, si- the sign on the outside of the tavern is uh, a crescent moon. But mm-hmm. it's been, you know, this, this town, since it's kind of overrun with rumors of local lycanthropes, we're going to say it's kind of like a horror type of town. So it's going to be, um, you know, tarnished. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, the entire place is going to look just a little bit too decrepit. And the bartender is going to be very, very hairy. Um, overly hairy. <laughs> so that is, that's, that's what I got from Moon. Okay. So easy for a fantasy setting. So Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to pick for Matt. Okay. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Fasten your seatbelt. Okay. Penguins. <laughs> What'd you say? Penguins. Penguins? <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, and you actually, no, I'm going to say it like Benedict Cumberbatch. Penguins. No, he says penguins. 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 That's my that's my favorite video on the internet is uh, Benedict Cumberbatch trying to say the word penguins because he says it different every time. (laughs) My favorite is penguins. Penguins. (laughs) Aren't those just small penguins? Yeah. Oh, a penguin. That's a penguin. All right, penguins. All right. Um, penguins. I'm like ready for anything. I'm sitting here just like, dude, hit me with your best shot. Give me the most vague, obscure yeah, word you can give me. Penguins. I feel like I softballed Barker. What? <laughs> yeah, Barker just, yeah, you softballed it. Barker just threw a fastball right, just, oh, and I swung for it, too. slider, man. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Penguins. You can do it. Penguins. No, you don't, you penguins, can create penguins. whatever you want. All right. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to do what I always do. And I'm going to take whatever image comes into my head when I hear that word, and I'm going to kind of latch onto it, and I'm going to put my own spin on it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to say um, that uh, Benedict there are yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> I was going to say it, too. Just picture him in your mind. Do you have his, his weird face in your mind? Okay. <clears throat> so I'm thinking that there's a uh, special... Uh, subspecies of wyvern that lives in the Arctic regions that kind of, <laughs> that kind of looks like a penguin a little bit. Okay. If a penguin was gigantic and terrifying, in that they they sit on their eggs like penguins do, and they slide down the ice and the snow on their stomachs like penguins do, using their short mm-hmm. little stubby wings to control their sliding. And so what I'm picturing here is some sort of combat encounter or a chase mm-hmm. where the PCs are running away from one of these things yeah. and it's sliding after them <laughs> in the snow. Either that or maybe they have to ride on one of them or catch one or kill one and take its mm. feathers or something like that. But basically, Arctic wyverns, they look like penglings. <laughs> That's actually really awesome, man. That's one hell of an encounter. Nice. Because yeah. you have like avalanches yeah. being triggered, yeah. you've got something yeah, along the lines of all sorts of things. Yeah, something like the, the 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 Star Trek movie reboot, you know, where Captain Kirk's mm. running away from the monsters on the ice planet. You know, right? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's that'd be really cool, man. Cool, right on. Okay, and now, now I I lob a word at Alex. I don't here. want you to lob shit. I want you to put it in the pitching machine set to uh-huh. the highest feet per second. <laughs> okay, at his head. <laughs> okay, all right. Give me a bit of shot. Here we go. Are you ready, Alex? I'm I'm ready. Shatter. Shatter. Okay. So, um this uh, uh uh there's a town at the edge of this uh of this great sheet of uh of basalt that uh, stretches out over the uh over the ocean. And uh uh the it's uh, something that's just actually carved out of the living rock. Uh, the uh, um, the uh, the town is actually called Shatter because uh, there's always like the, the, these ragged edges on the side that look like broken glass um, 
from from this uh, this this stone that was, um, uh, you know, set there, you know, uh, millennia ago, and uh, the, uh, uh, the the town of Shatter is known for um, uh, uh, for its um, uh, unique uh, caves with their um, uh, mineral deposits, uh, crystalline deposits. So it's a, uh, a big town for, uh, mining, uh, rare stones that nice. are used by some of the local, uh, uh, wizards to perform, uh, um, magic that involves sound. Nice. Uh, creates vib- vibrational sound. So their, their, their magic is very focused on that, uh, that idea. So this is the town of Shatter. That's I rad. like that, man. That's cool. And yeah. it's being attacked by sliding lycanthrope penguins. <laughs> were penguins. Lycanthrope it's being attacked by werewolves on, on giant wyvern penguins. <laughs> yeah. Just try and fight that off. That's what happens when you improvise like the masters. <laughs> <laughs> you just come up with the stupidest shit. But you know what? Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I don't think that was dumb shit. Matt, no, I, think, no, I, I don't know. think it was. Yeah. Your idea was no. awesome. The town no. of Shatter is like one of the creepiest places I can super think of. Super awesome. And yeah. super awesome. And uh, I, I, I think, you know, moons lately have been easier for me mm. because I'm running a game that's very, where lycanthropes, at least the symbol of a lycanthrope mm. is very prominent in this region. So that's yeah. always fresh in my mind. So there's yeah. three ideas you can steal. There's three of them. Two yeah. towns and a monster. That's right. <laughs> and I would say that you can, you can uh, for improvisation like that, you can do anything. You can pull out a random word. Yeah. You can open up a dictionary and look for a word. You can yeah. uh, pull up a random piece of art off of a magic card or a Google image search. Yeah. You can use Rory's story cubes or roll tables mm-hmm. from the Dungeon Master's Guide. Like, There's so many tools out there that can help you yeah. do what we just did. And that's a good easily. point. That's a good point, Matt, because you brought it up before, the idea of using the magic cards or yeah. story dice or... Um, uh, my kids have these story cards that just have pictures on both sides, and and you can ju- right. you can create a story just by drawing cards and and weaving them together. So, yeah. uh, using simple tools like that can be uh, extremely useful. Absolutely, yeah. I'm for it. Well, thank you all for tuning in to Roll Up and Die, your definitive RPG podcast. My name is Barker, and my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice, and my name is Alex, aka Captain Gothnug. And stay, word for improvising, that's not, stay improvising, people. Stay penguins. Stay, stay penguins. Penguin. Penguins. Penguin. Penguin. Penguins. 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 This show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2016. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing is wrong. You can find all three of the hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And Barker is at www.beabettergamemaster.com. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die podcast. Look for other releases of this show at www.beabettergamemaster.com or at facebook.com slash rollupanddie. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming.